This is your friendly neighborhood author, Jonathan, and you are listening to Season 5 of the Floor Rejects Podcast, The Isle of Artemisia. Welcome back to the Floor Rejects Podcast. This is your friendly neighborhood author, Jonathan, here with another chapter from The Isle of Artemisia. If you're new here or you're just tuning in after a while, as you know, every week I read to you a chapter of a story I'm writing or working on, and then afterwards I like to discuss it a little bit, talk about things I liked or didn't like, or things I want to do better, or things that are going on with the story. Um, Last week we followed Barrett as he uh, kind of made a little bit more than friends with Anaxos, another of our main characters, the resident on the isle that has rescued him. Um, But at the end of the chapter, another friend who was shipwrecked with him, Crystal, discovers the two of them getting a little bit intimate and kind of throws her hands up at it and just laughs and walks away. But in the last couple of sentences, it's revealed that there's some sort of danger on the isle, and that's where we left off. So let's jump into this week's chapter. Chapter 19, Revelations. Barrett runs straight for Crystal as she unassumingly walks towards the edge of the water, unaware that behind her stood a group of unfamiliar men in various stages of odd dress. They weren't moving, seemingly just staring at her back as she trudged through the sand. Crystal, Barrett calls, trying to catch up with her. She puts her hands up, still walking. I'm not going to say anything, Barrett. That's your business. She's cut off as Barrett reaches her and latches onto her arm, pulling her back towards the hut. What the hell? She asks, trying to pull free. Barrett points at the group of men, and quickly she shuts up, opting to follow him as he sprinted towards the hut. X! Anaxos shouts, and Anaxos comes out from around the side of the hut, smiling dumbly at Garrett. As he spots the others on the beach, he begins to rush at them, past Barrett and Crystal. She rushes into the hut, but Barrett stops short, turning to watch as Anaxos charges at the group of men standing there. There were four of them, all standing stoically on the edge of the beach. Anaxos looks as if he's going in for a swift attack, but all the men, as if it had been practiced, take a knee as he rushes them. He slows, obviously unsure as to what they were doing. He stands a safe distance, shouting something in Greek. One of the men looks up at him, saying something in a deep, gruff voice. Anaxos responds, taking a step forward. The men do not move. Then the man who spoke stands. He responds to Anaxos, who takes another cautious step forward, saying something a bit quieter. Barrett begins to walk towards them. He approaches slowly as Anaxos and the apparent leader of the group go back and forth. As Barrett draws closer, he can tell the exchange isn't particularly pleasant and isn't something he was going to understand. He pulls up just behind Anaxos, who's in the middle of saying something when he turns, sensing the smaller man behind him. He turns back, finishing his statement. Then he looks to Garrett. Go back, Barrett. They're not here for you, he says. Barrett looks at him, then the others. Who were they here for? He asks, and Anaxos takes his hand. Me, he says, and Barrett can feel a shift in himself, and he steals for a fight. He wasn't letting go of the man without a struggle. You have a deal. They were supposed to leave us alone, Barrett says confusedly. The others are beginning to look impatient. 
That was before what happened yesterday. They know, Anaxor says, and the leader barks something at him. Anaxor says something back in a vicious tone. Well, tell them what he did. Tell them he broke the rules first, Barrett says, and Anaxos nods, turning and translating to the group. The others look at each other, and the leader says something to them quietly, as if seeking counsel. The three lower nod at him after a few moments, and the leader grumbles a string of words to Anaxos. Barrett can see X's shoulders sag in relief. They said they will take this back to the camp. They do not believe me, but it is up to the group, Anaxos says, taking a step back as the other three stand. Then Nick comes crashing from the bush, all of them turning to look at him. I saw them coming. I was going to warn you, Nick gasps, trying to catch his breath. The others stand and, following their leader, walk off the beach and back into the forest, ignoring Nick, except the last one, who stops to stare at him for a moment before walking back into the greenery, disappearing as silently as they had arrived. Is it safe? Barrett hears in the distance, and he turns to see Crystal and Daniel standing at the entrance to the hut. They cower there, looking nervously out at Barrett and Axos and Nick. Yes, Barrett answers, and forward the two lovers come, Daniel dragging timidly behind Crystal. The whole group meets in the middle of the beach, halfway between the sea and the forest. What do they want? Daniel asks quietly. They want X. They know what he did, Barrett explains. What? What did you do? Daniel asks. Crystal looks expectantly to Anaxos. The man takes a deep breath. I killed someone. He tried to take Barrett. I snap his neck. That is it. Anaxos says, bracing himself visibly for a barrage of questions, but none come. Crystal, after a moment of contemplative thought, nods her head. Daniel looks to her and follows suit. Quietly, the pair go back to the hut, whispering to each other, leaving the three men on the beach. I tried to warn you. I was too slow, Nick says, and Anaxos and Barrett turn back to him. What were you doing out there? Barrett asks. Anaxos nods, waiting for an answer. Nick looks around as if for the answer. I, uh, I was looking for food, Nick says. Barrett looks at him suspiciously, sure this was not the truth. But before he can say anything, Anaxos speaks up. I do not believe you, he says quietly, but with the authority of a nearly 200-year-old man. It's true. I thought there might be, uh, uh, he says something unintelligible in Greek. In the forest, Nick finishes, and Barrett looks to Anaxos to translate. He says he was looking for bananas, Anaxos says, and Barrett nods, not at all convinced. Nick shakes his head. I swear it, he says defiantly. Anaxos laughs. He says something curt sounding in Greek. Nick spits something nasty in return, stomping off down the beach towards the hut. Anaxos scoffs, turning to Barrett, his face saying something along the lines of, can you believe him? To which Barrett shakes his head. He wasn't even going to ask what was said between the two of them, but instead looks up at Anaxos with a look of anguish. Now what? He asks. Now? They either come for me or not, but they will leave you out of it, Anaxos says, and he takes Barrett by the shoulder. Do not worry, I can get my way out of it, Anaxos says. Barrett nods. 
He knows the man was capable of many things, but fighting off a small village worth of plant-crazed maniacs may be beyond him. X, you can't just let them take you, Barrett says, and an axe of shrugs. They can't kill me. I have the plant hidden, he reasons. Barrett can't argue with that either, but that wouldn't stop the others from torturing him until he gave up the location of the plant. It's called Artemisia, right? Barrett asks, and then Axos nods. Barrett thinks back to Elliot explaining it on the boat, but quickly stops himself, shivering at the thought. I don't trust Nick either, Anaxos. I think we need to do something about him, Barrett says, as Anaxos takes his hand and pulls him closer. I tell you, Anaxos says, and Barrett nods, smiling as Anaxos' fingers stroke his palms. What do we do? Barrett asks. X shakes his head. We can't do anything. Your friends trust him, he says, pulling Barrett's body tight to his. His chest heaves gently and every nerve in Barrett's body comes alive. So, he's up to something. I can, I can see it now, Barrett says, and Anaxos shakes his head. Let's talk about it later, Anaxos says, pulling Barrett just up to the beach tree line. He presses Barrett hard against a tree out of sight of the hut and kisses him passionately, letting his hands slip down to Barrett's waist. Now? Barrett asks in between kisses. Anaxos nods his head, never opening his eyes, and dives down, kissing Barrett's neck, making the smaller man groan. Barrett sinks his teeth gently into Anaxos' cheek, smiling as the man moans, beginning to nip at Barrett's collarbone. You have been starved for attention, haven't you? Barrett asks breathlessly, and Anaxos leans up, his shoulders rising and falling raggedly. It has been over 100 years, Barrett. Anaxos growls. He squeezes Barrett's side, his eyes shining dangerously. Didn't I luck out? Barrett murmurs, reaching up to stroke Anaxos's jaw, the stubble covering it, pricking his fingertips. Anaxos takes his hand and begins kissing his fingers. No, you're stuck here. You are not lucky, Anaxos says, as he gently sucks at Barrett's index finger. He was deadpan, but Barrett laughs out loud, and Anaxos smiles. He pulls Barrett away from the tree and lifts him up before pinning him back against it. Barrett wraps his legs around Anaxos' waist. He pulls his hands away, burying them in Anaxos' hair as the man kisses him again, his tongue tracing Barrett's lips. Barrett smiles into Anaxos, opening up to him, letting their tongues dance. Anaxos is grunting, his hands running frantically over Barrett's tense body, through his hair, down his arms, up his thighs. Barrett pushes him back, pulling his shirt over his head. Anaxos's eyes narrow and he leans down, suckling at Barrett's erect nipples. Barrett moans, his eyes rolling into the back of his head. He pulls Anaxos's hair, leaning the man's head back and begins to devour him, licking and sucking at his neck, tracing his tongue up and down Anaxos's rigid, hot skin. God, I can't believe you would want me, Barrett moans into Anaxos' ear. Anaxos scoffs, taking one of Barrett's hands from his head, bringing it down through the gap between them, pressing Barrett's palm against his groin. His member pulses and strains against the fabric of his pants. Believe this, Barrett, Anaxos grunts, letting Barrett slide down his body and back to his feet. Barrett slips a hand into the ragged, loose waistband of Anaxos' pants. Fuck. Barrett moans as his hand slowly brushes against Anaxos' turgid erection. 
and Axos throws his head back, letting out an animalistic sound before throwing Barrett back against the tree forcefully. I want you. Anaxos growls, and Barrett, his mind spinning and eyes completely unfocused, nods. Anaxos springs on him, struggling with his button fly. Barrett undoes the tie that keeps Anaxos' pants tight around his waist. Just as Barrett's ready to pull them down and continue down this path, a sound comes from their left. The pair turn to it, hands in each other's pants. Daniel stands there, staring up into the canopy, doing anything to avoid eye contact with the pair of them. Uh, guys... We need to talk, he says awkwardly before turning and walking back towards the hut. They withdraw their hands from each other. Seriously? They can't wait? Barrett grumbles. Anaxos chuckles deeply. He laces his pants back up. We will get what we want soon enough, Anaxos says, smiling and patting Barrett's shoulder before bounding off back towards the hut. Barrett follows, annoyed but curious as to what his friends wanted. Okay, so this is our first um, intense chapter uh, of this story. We've had them in the past. We know how they go. We don't need to focus on it. What I like specifically about this chapter is that Anaxos gets to kind of take charge, take the lead here, and Barrett doesn't shy away from him. Um, in the past few chapters, you know, we got some of that in the last chapter, but the chapters before that and any flirtation, any hint of interest, Barrett just kind of shut down. But now we're starting to get to the point where the two of them are, are just kind of into each other and we're not dealing with the will they, won't they. It's the when are they going to type of thing. Um, so I like that. I like the way it plays out. I like that we're taking this in steps and that every time they get a step closer, they get interrupted. And so when it finally happens, they're going to make sure that they're not interrupted. Um, which might be the next chapter. It might be a, a sideline chapter where Barrett gets pulled away by an Axos from the group and they go fuck in the woods, you know? Why not? Why not? It's my story. I can do whatever I want. Um, that's, that's what I like about this chapter is just the way that they interact with each other. I like that they're honest. I like that Barrett laughs in the middle of it. I like that they're calm and that this like nervous sort of, uh, I don't know what Barrett would be considered, this nervous protagonist, I guess we'll call him, is so nervous all the time. And then he calms down as soon as this man is wrapped around his finger. He's just like so calm and so interested, I guess. Um, so I like that about this chapter. One thing I know I can do better is pronouncing Barrett's name because I'm pretty sure I called him Garrett a couple of times. Am I gonna fix it? No, I'm just gonna leave it because I just worked a 10 hour day and I'm tired. <laughs> um, but I, I like this chapter. I like that we're moving things along but we're also progressing in the romantic storyline between Barrett and Anaxos and Nick is kind of falling to the sidelines. I like that Barrett admits to Anaxos, I don't trust him either, I believe you, I don't know what's going on with him, but I don't like it. Um, I think a lot of times in stories, it's just kind of one of those, it goes unspoken that they began to agree with each other or whatever. No, I like when characters say what they're thinking, which is, yeah, you were right, I was wrong, sorry, my bad. Um, and I like that, 
when Anaxos tells Daniel and Crystal, yeah, I just killed somebody, they're just kind of like, okay, yeah, you just killed somebody. We're stuck on a desert island. We've been abducted. There's a magical plant. Okay, that tracks. Cool. We're going to move on. Crystal still is, I hate to say a representation of mental illness, but she's kind of acting as that, and she's acting as, um, I think, a foil to kind of reveal to us that people with mental illness, even if they're unmedicated, even if they go off their meds, can still be capable of rational, um, smart decision-making and, and that your mental illness does not define you. I hope is what she communicates and not something else, because that's what I want her to communicate is that your mental illness doesn't define you. We haven't really developed her character yet. We're what, 19 chapters in? We should probably get to it. And by we, I mean me. And by me, I mean the person sitting in front of you with bags under his eyes, like losing his mind. Um, some exciting news, interesting news. I recently applied for a job. Well, I thought it was a job. Turns out it's not a job. It's more like an opportunity to work with a company that develops novels and publishes them. And they specialize in LGBTQ um, stories, romance stories, vampires, werewolves, and something called Forbidden Romance. I don't really know what Forbidden Romance... Let's look that up, because I kind of want to know what that is before I get myself into it. If it's what I think it is, we'll be fine. That does not help me very much. Um... I think I'll be fine. Um, but I applied for this, what I thought was a job, and they got back in touch with me and said, well, it's not a job. It's more like you write stories, we publish them, and if you make any money off of them, you get a share of it. Um, so I have a Zoom call with that company tomorrow to see if anything comes from that, because I'm trying to get my foot in the door anywhere I can to, to make my dream a reality, I guess. Um, it's unpaid. They require 2,000 words a day, which will be tough. Um, and I'm hoping that the, some of the stories I've read to you guys, because it's, and this might play in my favor for the first time ever, because there's not very many of you, um, maybe it will be okay that some people have heard the story since they're not fully finished published stories. Um, and maybe they can be published that way with actual covers and titles and proper formatting and all that stuff. Um, I think that would be exciting. So that's cool. That's all I really have to share with you this week. Um, I'm going to go because like I said, I just worked a 10 hour day. I'm very tired and I still have to edit this um, and get it uploaded. And I have to work out again. And tomorrow my day is going to be... <sighs> I'm tired. In my humble, humble opinion... I shouldn't dream of labor, but I sure do dream of a job that isn't the one I have. You know, I'm just tired. i just tired. Anyway, I'll be back next week. I have been, as always, your friendly neighborhood author, Jonathan, and this has been the Floor Rejects Podcast. Now, I'm going to go and crash for 12 hours. Bye.